This is Food First Michigan on 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. Senator Kristen McDonnell Rivett came to Lansing to represent the needs of Michigan's 35th district, which is located in Bay City and the surrounding area. Her intention after winning a close race was to get things done, and she has. If past experience is truly the best indicator of future success, then Senator McDonald's track record of leading bodes well for the 35th and for the rest of us. She has served as a city commissioner, led nonprofits, businesses, and now is leading in the Senate with bills that impact all of us, especially the families served by Michigan's food banks. EITC, mass, and economic development are all a part of her priorities, and I can't wait for you to meet Senator Kristen McDonald Rivett. And the wait is over. She joins Jerry Brisson and me next on this edition of Food First Michigan. Welcome everyone. As promised, Senator Kristen McDonald Rivett, the Senator from District 35. And Senator, welcome to the first time for you to be with us here on Food First Michigan. Thank you very much. I'm excited to join you. Well, we, we've been working on some, some items uh, in the legislature together. They're pretty exciting, but we're going to push those to the next couple of segments. And we just wish if you would just take a few minutes and, and talk about yourself and how did you become, what's the journey look like to become the senator from District 35 here in Michigan? Uh, yeah, happy to talk about that. It's, um, it's been a bit of a winding road. Uh, I'm a lifelong Michigander live in Bay City, Michigan, and uh, my husband and I have six kids. Um, really, We're really active in the community, um, and uh, quite honestly, serving in the state Senate was never never really on my radar. I um, graduated from Michigan State and started doing um, work to think about how to, you know, graduated from college and thought, I'm going to save the world. Was It was high on my agenda. I thought it might take a mm, good five, six years. And uh, <laughs> had this had this professional experience early in my 20s. Right after I'd had my first child, I went to go work for Head Start as their Lansing advocate. And if you don't know about Head Start, one of the things, it's a, it's a preschool program for uh, folks living at or below the federal poverty level. But the cool thing about that program is that the parents are on the board, majority seats on the board. So it's the parents of kids living in poverty that are making, calling the shots about who is hire, hiring and firing leadership, approving the budget, setting the mission. And it was an extraordinary experience because it helped shape how I view the world for the rest of my career. And that is that we know public policy shifts lives. We know public systems impact lives. But you're never going to get this right unless you have the people who have real voice at the table that are experiencing the issue. So whether we're talking about preschool, education, um, hunger, housing, all of those pieces, 
it doesn't, it's not enough to just pull a bunch of really, really smart people with lots of letters behind their names into a room to figure out a solution. What you really have to do is work alongside community if you're wanting to change, to change things. And so that's how I really set about for the rest of my life. I worked in a couple of state departments. I was chief of staff at the Department of Education um, under Mike Flanagan, served as a senior advisor to Governor Granholm um, around children's issues. And was really fortunate to be the architect of Michigan's Great Start, Great Start system alongside um, a number of really incredible people, but all walking walking in community, walking alongside people. Um, so I uh, ran for the Senate because I think that there are a lot of things that we need to move on and move faster. Uh, and we ran the Senate campaign the same way. We knocked on 75,000 doors. On any given weekend, there would be a hundred people, hundred volunteers, walk, knocking on doors with me. We uh, had almost eight thousand individual donors. Some of them, many of them, one dollar, five dollar. But we 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 ran our campaign uh, like a coalition and with an agenda about bringing more high wage jobs into mm. our region, growing our population, and really um, supporting kids and families. Uh, as as they're growing so that they can thrive and that that's the way we really we really bring Michigan back. So, you know, and here I am four months later, four months into my first term in the state uh-huh. Senate, and, it, and it's still a bit of a wild ride. <laughs> There's nothing to learn. That's, you know, the, the number of issues that come across your desk, it's only a few here and there, right? Not, not eight million issues every week that someone has to summarize and you got to get your head around before a vote or anything like that, right? Uh-huh. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm very blessed to have an incredible staff, but we're moving fast in the Senate and uh, and we're not moving on small things. We're doing we're doing the big think big work very quickly. So it has been uh exhausting but exhilarating because I think we're just there's so many good things that are, are that are coming out for for people in Michigan. It's true and and public policy makes a huge difference for for mm-hmm. people like us on the ground here who are trying to help families, you know, manage their food issues, right? If it if it yeah. the, there is such a relationship between what the government decides to do and what then we end up with. So so when we see cuts of any kind for for food relief uh, coming from any part of government, more people show up at food banks and food pantries, right? I mean, it's right. it's a symbiotic relationship, and so and so now you know that sometimes is the right way to manage things, and sometimes it doesn't work very well. Our experience is generally that the increases and decreases in assistance aren't necessarily connected to the actual need. It's usually connected to something else. It might be budget issues. It might be uh, related to how people feel right now about, you know, people should have enough or they should just get a job. But whatever it's whatever it is connected to, it's usually not connected to what do people actually need. And, of course, that creates the ongoing problem of, well, then what's happening to the kids in school if need and food aren't connected and are they struggling to learn? And, of course, we know that they are. So thank you for your lifetime of service on these really, really important issues. Yeah, it, it is a um, it, it is it is such a basic, basic need. And it is it, it's remarkable how distant that need is, uh, particularly when we know how many people in our communities are hungry, how that conversation 
is often so distant from from budget conversations, distant from uh, legislative committee meetings. It, it's but but it's the it's the same universe. So you're not going to improve the education system if you haven't addressed the issue of hungry kids. We are not going to be able to we, when people are choosing between food and housing, between um, food and medicine. We have uh, we we will never thrive as a state. So it's um, I I am really oh, we're moving fast. Very encouraged by the focus on real needs of real people that has happened through the budget process that has happened in some of the early legislation that we've done. And I have a lot of great partners in the state legislature that are really committed to getting resonant voice into the decision-making process. So I, I, I have all, I am so optimistic about what the next couple of years are going to look like. Well, it's no doubt that you're career and some of the places that you've chosen to invest your one handful of life have shaped you. I mean, to hear the story about Head Start and being, you know, essentially led by those with lived experience, I think that's a value we share across the Feeding America national network is that we have to be influenced in our work by those who are experiencing food insecurity. And that they're they're here on the show we say that 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 people in Michigan are worthy of investment this is not just about charity it's about investing in people and those with lived experience are part of the solution not necessarily a, the problem and i think it's a different way to see people and i think that when you work at mde or dhhs or you uh, are the advocate for uh, Head Start, or work for the Skillman Foundation, or uh, work for Michigan Future, or work and the, probably the most thankless job in all of the political landscape, being a city commissioner. <laughs> um, those can't, you're right with the people, right? They can't help right. but impact and shape you. Well, that's, I think, that that's it. Although when you start listing all of those things that I've done, I'm starting to feel uh, ancient. <laughs> <laughs> well, you crammed a lot of life in a short time. How's that? I'll get past it. But you know what? Here's the thing about the city commission, and, and it is a thankless job, And but the but the beautiful part about serving on that body was that I, there was, I could immediately see the implications uh, of the work that I did. And it, you know, you, it's, it's very, very basic functions of government are, is trash getting picked up? Is snow being renewed? Are people, you know, are we, um, are pe- people, um, what, what does their water bill look like? These are, these are your next door neighbors. These are the folks that you're seeing at the grocery store. And, you know, the wonderful thing, other wonderful thing about local government is that they will tell you exactly how they feel about the job that you are doing on the right. regular. And I really, I really enjoyed that. But and we, uh, in, in our office, we, our, our mantra is, we, not me. And um, that piece around uh, that I thought that you just said that was just so important is that people are not the problem. Right. And if we can, if, if, if we're doing this work with people um, in order to solve for some really big issues. So if you're talking, whether you're, you know, if you're talking about hunger, person who is hungry is not the problem. There is a, a system failure. There's a community failure mm-hmm. that we would live in this country and have people who, who don't have good, healthy food to eat regularly. Right. 
Hey, let's take a quick break, please. And uh, you're going to come back and be with us. This is Senator Kristen McDonnell-Rivett. She is our Senate uh, Senator from District 35. That is in the Bay City area and surrounding uh, townships, villages, uh, all around through there. And we're appreciated. I, I think we're they're blessed to have you, and I think we're blessed to have you. And we want to talk about some of those things that we're working on together in the next segment. So you folks come back and be with us. We'll be right here. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Senator Kristen McDonald-Rivett is our guest today with Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here. And uh, you're listening to Food First Michigan. So, Senator, thank you for being with us. But, wow, you guys are doing some big things fast. And talk to us a little bit about that. I know the budget's big, and uh, it looks like it's going to get done kind of in record time is what Mm -hmm. we're hearing. And um, so talk about some of the things like EITC and your bill for immediate effect is powerful for the families that we serve. Our mass line item that allows us to buy directly from farmers and put that fresh Michigan food right into our distribution. So let's, let's get the insider scoop here. Sure. Well, you know, if you're going to talk about the EITC, that's where I'm going to start. Right. My, there was a, I've been working on increasing the EITC in Michigan for many years. Uh, the earned income tax credit, we're also calling it the working families tax credit. It's a lifeline for folks that are living on an economic razor's edge. Uh, and we, the first bill, first bill that I introduced, Senate Bill 3, was the increase in the EITC. It was the first hearing in the entire legislature this year. And and basically what the bill did was give a half a billion dollar tax break to working families making less than about $45,000 a year. So that is, um, could state credit plus the federal credit could equal a check to families of around $3,500. It's game-changing money. Right. Uh, so we were re- really excited to get it through the legislature. Uh, it was rolled up with some other things. The governor signed it. Great. It's done. Here's the problem. It did not get immediate effect, which means although people are eligible for it this year, it can't act. They're not actually going to get their checks till next year. Well, you know, that's a nuance of legislative process that families shouldn't have to suffer from. So I introduced Senate Bill 144, brought it right back before the chamber and said, hey, how can't we how can we move this through in a way that will allow us to cut those checks this year? Uh, So we we sent that out of the out of the Senate. It's waiting in the House. We're waiting for our House leadership to to we're waiting for House leadership to take it up. And are really hopeful we'll be able to get the checks up this year. The issue is, is that, I mean, you all know this with inflation, with um, a lot of uh, things that are, are pinching mm-hmm. families, it is, um, it's, people need the money right now. Right. Um, so we're, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to get the House to take the bill up. Um, so that's the EITC. Um, wow. The other, it, which, by the way, we went from one of the, the smallest um, amounts in the EITC in the country to one of the largest. So this is, again, a place where you see us 
living our values, legislating our values, and responding to what we're hearing back home. It's, but oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I'm, I'll I'm, go on and on about the idea. You got to interrupt me. No, it's fine. <laughs> I no, is I'm just so excited myself. But you know, I mean, you're you're so right. It's 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 game changing money. I mean, when you think about inflation, it's down a little bit from what it's high, but it's not down because food's cheaper. It's down because oil's right. cheaper, right? And then, right. you know, we lost the emergency allotments off the bridge card, the SNAP, food stamps, whatever people like to call that. That's gone as of the end of February. So people who were getting that help are not getting that help anymore. Many seniors have gone from receiving $250 a month in food assistance down to the minimum, which is twenty three dollars, and mm-hmm. it's it's you know for them to be able to to uh, these working families to be able to recoup this money because of inflation, loss of emergency allotments, and then we got thirty percent of the people who are um, who are not el- who are food insecure that are not eligible for SNAP, and you know that's this is extremely powerful for this group of families i jerry's chomp i can see him he's <laughs> chomping at the bit here so uh, well i am i do want to get a technical question answered right and really that is how does it work how does the earned income tax credit work well uh the it works uh you file your taxes there's a um it's actually really uh easy to file for uh, and which is also the why in the budget we've also included additional dollars for folks that are helping people apply for the EITC. But it's what we call a refundable tax credit, which means that if you do your taxes and you claim the EITC uh, and it, it shows that, that you, um, you're only owed $20 or you haven't made more than $3,500 in a year, you're still going to get the full credit. You still get that $3,500. Uh, and part of it is we know that if we can get an infusion of cash into people's hands, and it's important to know that you can't claim the EITC if you're not working. But if you're working and you have an infusion of cash, well, suddenly you have money for transportation. Suddenly you have money to maybe go back and get a certification that you may need. And so um, most people only claim it for two years, but those dollars uh, are the thing that allow for investments or is emergency dollars that can help people um, stay in the workforce where they previously are having difficulty doing that. So um, you, you just basically, you file for the EITC the same way that you file your taxes. It's that easy. And it incentivizes work. And I think it is so Absolutely. important for people to understand how that works because the name itself really doesn't explain it very well. You know what no. I mean? It's it it is what it is, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying when you understand how it works and that it really, you know, we talk about the benefits cliff, which is, you know, when when people earn a certain amount of money, their benefits go away faster than they earn money, and so it disincentivizes work and being promoted. Right? This is the opposite of that. This incentivizes work. It 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 rewards people who who take those steps, and I think that you know it's it it is important important for our listeners to understand that this is something that really benefits the community in in multiple ways gets money in their pocket incentivizes work and and makes makes a huge difference on their household budget so i just wanted to make sure we covered that because it is something unless you know you don't know well that's you know we have about 20 percent of people who are eligible every year that don't apply 
So now that the money is much, it's a much bigger check than it used to be, we have to do this work, hard work throughout the next year to make sure that we are closing that gap and everyone who, who is eligible applies for it and gets those dollars. Because we, you know, the EITC has been around since the 70s and we know that uh, it is, it, it, it actually can change the trajectory of a family. So that's part of the, part of the work we need, we need to do. Um, which sort of gets me into the budget for this year. So there's a lot of really great things in the budget, including extra money um, for voluntary tax preparation. So can, outreach in the communities where high, you know, high percentage of the people who qualify for this live to be able to help people do their taxes so they can claim it. But in that same budget, we also saw an increase in um, assistance for the food bank. Um, and additionally, free breakfast and lunch in the education budget for all Michigan public schools. So there's a lot of priority given in this legislature around combating hunger and um, really very excited about the budgets that we passed out of the Senate last week. Well, for those of us who do this work in uh, Lansing, we understand that none of those things happen without a champion. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to talk with you today on this show because we know this I want to say, I want to talk about the programs but it's really about the people and mm-hmm. and while you're a champion for these programs and we've done a couple of shows here recently on uh, on school meals for all and certainly the food bank council is supportive of that and um, involved in that and will will work our tails off to to help make that happen but it's really about being a champion for the people and that's really what i want to celebrate and compliment you on senator and thank you for that Um, thank you did you know it was one of my top budget priorities there's always there's always this moment when you're in the legislature uh particularly from the majority in the legislature that your leadership will come to you and say what are your priorities what do you want to put above all things and Certainly, the food bank was in my in my top three. Um, it it just feels so common sense to me uh, that if, as we start to bring Michigan back um, and co- and recover from how horrible the last five or six years has been, the first thing that we have to do is put empower folks like the food bank um, to make sure that we're combating hunger because nothing else works if we haven't addressed that issue. I, I really can't say that any better myself, so I'm not going to try. Instead, <laughs> I'm going to tell us that we're going to take a quick break here and come back with Senator Kristen McDonald-Rivet and Jerry Brisson and myself, Dr. Phil Knight. We'll be back for another segment with the senator in just a moment. And I just want to say, you're good enough that I'm afraid he's going to replace his co-host. That's, <laughs> that's, so when we come back, I hope I'm still here. I just want to say that. <laughs> Food First, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everyone. It's Jerry Bassan and Dr. Phil Knight with our very special guest, Senator Kristen McDonald-Rivet, who is our senator from the 35th District and, um, and already showing excellent leadership in the, in the Michigan State Senate. So thank you again, Senator, for being with us. We talked a little bit about uh, some of the programs 
that you're you're uh, le- giving leadership to and championing. And one of those, Jerry, is uh, our mass line item, which stands for the Michigan Agricultural Surplus System. Why don't you unpack that a little bit, and we'll get the senator's comments. So it's in it, very simply. It's, it's taking food that our Michigan farmers have grown, but maybe they don't have a market for. Uh, sometimes it's because it's not perfectly shaped or the color's a little bit off or maybe it has little indentations or something. But it's perfectly good, fresh, wonderful food that our farmers just can't sell because your average grocer doesn't want to take it, right? So what do you do with them? They're called seconds. Uh, What do you do with those? Well, food banks can have them all day long. And generally speaking, farmers get something for that. They get reimbursed or recouped for some of the cost to grow and harvest that product. And so it helps them be more viable, right? All these family farms in Michigan helps them be more viable. And then uh, we make sure that that food gets to people who need a little bit of help. And so uh, really it's a win-win-win for everyone. One, it has a huge economic benefit, as well as very tangible results here in our communities where people need help. So uh, it is clearly one of our favorite uh, ways to make a difference in Michigan. We love when the food bank can work with the state and work with our farmers to make something terrific happen. And, uh, and that's the short story on mass and why it's so important and effective. Sure. Well, that's that's just that's just basic common sense, right? <laughs> that's why I can figure it out. I mean, if it were real hard, I'd have to have Dr. Phil talk about it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is the thing. So it's you know, it's no secret that politics is a little bit broken right now, and uh, there is a lot of um, uh, Twitter fodder around things that don't matter to real people. To be perfectly honest, yeah, right. But I can tell you, you know. Um, I uh, I grew up in this little town in Michigan called Portland. Uh, it's a farm town. And I didn't grow up on a farm, but my, my father did and missed it so much that he basically turned a good half of our very large backyard into his his, his own, uh, his own called it a garden. But it was basically a farm. It was so yeah. big. Uh, but I will tell you that this, this um, the food that, that comes from Michigan, the, it, the farms that we drive past is nutritious. It's great, and I can also tell you that there's no such thing as a perfect-looking tomato, right? <laughs> so right, yeah. the idea of being able to take that food and deploy it in community to get that in the hands of people uh, is incredibly um, important. But it's also, you know, it's one of those things as a newbie legislator that I sort of shake my head and think, I can't believe we even have to advocate for this. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just so common sense. It, it's, you know, it's the perfect program for a win-win-win. I mean, I, I really think that the the farmers win because we create that secondary market for them for, yeah. uh, you know, there's a whole issue about food waste. And, and I'm not, and I don't mean that farmers are wasteful, but that, you know, if it's edible, good quality, fresh food, and it doesn't go for its highest purpose, which is to feed people that don't have access to that kind of food. Yep. Yeah then I think it's lost. That's waste. And so, so then, you know, so it helps the farmers create that secondary market. It certainly helps the food banks because we exist here to do nothing other than to distribute the best quality food to people who need it across all 83 counties of Michigan. And then I think, you know, the people win because they're getting access to food. 
And then lastly, I think, you know, all in all, when, when you take hunger off the table and people's minds are free to think about what's next or what could be, then the state of Michigan wins. Yes, I, complete, I completely agree. It, it's, um, you know, I had a moment in my life where I was a single mom with two kids and running out of money on Wednesday when I got paid on a Friday. Uh, being able to think about adding water to the milk so you could make it last, all of those pieces that create a, a unbearable amount of stress when you're not mm. sure you're going to be able to feed your kids. So everything else that comes across your plate, when that problem isn't solved, is meaningless. So mm. whether we're talking about, it's, you know, it, it, it clearly isn't a, it's just a mom issue. We have so many people that are struggling with this, but it is, it is, it is so primary, and particularly in a state that feeds the nation, it mm-hmm. just feels like this is this is something that that, that we can solve for. Um, and I used to I used to run a um, food delivery site in Midland County, and we would whenever we would get fresh fruits or vegetables, we'd throw that up on Facebook, and within 15 minutes there were there were cars lying down the road. Right. Because this is, this is what people crave. That's what people want, what people want. And we have a lot of people that are living in, you know, food deserts where access to fresh fruits and vegetables in particular is really hard to find. Yeah. And when we talk about giving people what they want and need, which we think is one of the key success factors, right? What people ask for the most is produce and milk. That is what people yep. ask for the most. And so what better produce than produce grown on Michigan farms that helps all those farming communities, all those, and they're all rural communities that often don't have yep. a lot of opportunity, right? So it helps yep. bring money into those communities that need it so much and just stimulates the economy there while helping families get what they want and need the most, which is healthier and helps a whole other set of problems in terms of managing health issues and other things that we know exactly. is is, is uh, unfairly weighted against the people we serve. So it is such a win in so many ways. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we can't thank you enough, Senator, for being with us on the show. But more than that, as we tried to convey, and I hope you feel it, that we're thankful. Thankful for your leadership. Thankful that you're willing to serve. Um, you know, as we talked a bit, a little bit about uh, serving as a, a Bay City Commissioner, you know, it's an equal opportunity to get everybody mad with one vote and get immediate <laughs> reaction to that. Um, being a senator is not much different. I mean, you're, you choose to be the kind of senator that's really in touch with your district and the people and the families. And you're a champion and understand that the, you know, the weakest, uh, 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 an economy chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And if we can lift up these folks and invest in the families that the food banks are serving and beyond, we're all going to succeed more and better because of it. So thank you. Thank you very much. It's great to have you. And Jerry and I will be back to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here. Jerry, um, I really like Senator Kristen McDonald-Ribbit, not just because she's tuned in to our work and she supports it, but every conversation I ever had with her is genuine. 
And I don't know that you can give somebody that works in politics a greater compliment than that. Yeah, she is really amazing. I'm I'm glad I'm still on the show. I mean, at least uh, for the rest of this show. So uh, because she was that good. Maybe one more. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one more. And it's and it's so nice. She also said, you know, you asked her a good question and she commented on it. So that gives you one point on the uh, scoreboard on the scoreboard this week. So we'll keep we'll keep looking at that scoreboard as the weeks go on here. So you let's just review for a second because this person is very accomplished. I mean, we talked about some of the things she's done. She's CEO for Greater Midland Community Centers, Vice President for Michigan Futures which is, you know, a whole group trying to, to give the education agenda of something that could last through across multiple administrations, big tasks that they're working on. Uh, worked as a vice president at the Skillman Foundation, chief of staff for Department of Ed, senior policy advisor for the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, Head Start executive direct. I mean, crazy stuff that one handful of life has invested and how she's invested herself in that work. All of that to just get to the point that she was a single mom that poured milk, poured water into milk to make it go further because she needed a little bit of help for a little while. Yeah, she even talked about running out of running out of money on Wednesday but didn't get paid till Friday so so you know having had that experience it's formative right once you understand the stress of not being sure how you're going to get all the meals you need for your kids you never forget it as you well know doctor and you've testified on this program several times yep it's you know and to share that story and to be that's what I'm talking about to be genuine about it and tell that story it'd be vulnerable um you know, Senator Stabenow asked me to testify at the field hearing for the farm bill and to tell that part of my story. Um, it's humbling. You know, I mean, you still deal with a little bit of shame. You deal with the embarrassment of it. But, you know, if it helps further the work to pass policies that reward work like EITC that she has championed for years, and now to see that bill pass and then to introduce another bill that would cause it to have immediate effect in this tax year. Wow, what a, I mean, it's powerful stuff that impact people's lives today. Yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, uh, how many stories do we need to tell for people to realize what you said earlier, doctor, that people are worth investing in. The people we serve through our work at food banks across the whole state of Michigan, we see these people, we know their stories, we know how many people come through these difficult moments in their life, and this investment that we're making in them truly makes a difference for them and for their communities, for their kids, for their for their parents sometimes in the case of helping seniors. I mean it it it's the the dynamic impact of this work is so significant. And that's in part why calling attention to these issues and saying this really makes a difference. She said it's common sense. It's common sense. She must have said it three or four times. It's like, well, yeah, that's how it feels to me, too, but I kind of do this every day. So I'm glad it's common sense for somebody else, too. Right. It makes you it makes you think that this is a person who has a lot of background in investing in community. 
and looks and sees the value of this work and makes me feel good. And it was one of her top priorities that she has championed. And we're hopeful that in the next few weeks that we're going to see this come to fruit in a, in a very positive development with the budget. So time for a little food for thought. Increasing the mass line item so we can invest in Michigan farmers and in the families who are struggling with more month than money may seem like charity. But charity has more to do with the giver than the recipient. Investment is focused on the opportunity, and certainly the people of Michigan who are struggling financially and most who are working, in many cases, more than one job is a good investment. The faces of the people in the lines for food are changing. They are often people who are in and out of food security. They have enough for most of the month, but need a little bit of help for a short time. Others are challenged by their location, access to grocery stores, and or public transportation. But all are worthy of investing in. The children, their parents, their grandparents, and anyone in between who needs a little bit of help for a little while. And here's what I've learned. Without food, the challenges people face only get harder and more difficult to solve. That's why we will continue to put food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.